I cuss a lot. Fight yourself. You've been warned. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd. We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently. This is That Black Couple. Stay woke! Shameless, blameless. Bokinos, Dino, Wino, Penis, Lenos. Stay woke! Mm. Mm. Tinas. Pontino, Wino, Kino, Shino, Planos. Stay woke! Oh, you got it. St- Stay woke! You gotta, you gotta get on top <clears throat> of the note. Hold on. <clears throat> mm. I mean, it's better than Donald Glover, I think. That, that was good. Okay. That was good. I just thought we should open it with a really good song. And with all the complete lyrics to the song. Yeah. Because people really don't know how that song goes. And accuracy is important. Accuracy is so, it's so important. And when Donald Glover sings it, I don't know what he's talking about. But that that that's actually the correct verbiage. Yeah, what you, I just if you said. go to Genius.com. It's Shano's Planos. Bonquinos, Tinos, Winos, Tinos, Planos. And see, I used to think that there was actually a Tina Knowles in there. Mm-mm. It's not Tina Knowles. That's it's, what people get tripped it's up. It's Tinos, Planos. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a, it's a real subtle difference. It's a real subtle difference. That's, that's for the real fans. Yeah. Yeah. Not fans of Donald Glover. I'm not a fan of Donald Glover. No. Of, of, of Childish of, Gambino. Of, no, him either. I'm a fan of, <laughs> I'm a fan of staying woke. <laughs> And, you know, when you're really woke, you know that it's Bonquino Splinos. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what else. I don't know what that little person is talking about. And if, and if you ain't woke, then you don't know you what it's about. You just don't know. And so if I just sang that and you didn't know what it was, it's probably because you're not woke. And maybe now you are. Well, I know they are now because to open up open up the episode with, Stay woke! I, I know Stay woke! if you weren't awake yet, Stay woke! Now you're hella woke. See, and the way I'm singing that note, you you have to have a set of woke ears to even hear that octave. Yeah, the the pitch. The pitch of that it's it's in the it's in the tone of woke. Stay woke. You know, mm-hmm. if 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 you listen with woke ears, it's full voiced. Yes. But when your ears are not woke, it sounds airy. But when you listen with woke well, ears, it's full voice. Not everyone is ready. Not everyone no, can not. handle. They're not on my level. Mm-mm. You got to have the woke ears. For you that. have to have your woke ears on. Greetings, everyone. This is that black couple. Grab some Kavita. Do y'all drink Kavita? Mm. It's good for your bowels and your digestion. And I feel like this is an episode where we need to be clear. We need to have our intestines unblocked. We need to be cleansed. We need to be cleansed. We need to have no blockages and no burdens from yesterday and the days before. If you ate some beef, we need to be gone. So go drink your Kavita and then sit your ass down and listen to the podcast. 
This is That Black Couple. This is Jen. And this is Darren. And today, we are talking about when white people call the cops on black people. Now, the reason why we're talking about this is because, frankly, it happens too damn often. But we're going to get into the nuance, the nitty-gritty, and the details about that. So before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple on Facebook at That Black Couple, and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. You can stream all of our episodes on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you have to rate us high because we're the best. That's a better answer. Last time you was like, I'm going to take it personally. Well, I'm, I'm I'm in a better spirit today. You're in a better spirit? Did you have a Kavita? I had one last night. Did it help cleanse your bowels? It did, and it was that pineapple flavor. See, and I think that's the thing. When you have a Kavita, it cleanses your bowels, and then you're not carrying that burden along the mm-hmm. way. Your, your your brain and your heart and your spirit are lifted. And lifted. Let's get lifted. Like John Legend. Yeah. So we got Donald Glover, and we got John Legend. This is going to be a real episode <laughs> It's today. so woke today. It's, it's so, so woke. woke. It's so woke. Okay. So, Darren, I want you to get started because we're going to start the episode talking about the times that we've seen in the news, onslaughts in the news recently, about times when white people have called the police on black people, namely the Starbucks incident. We had black women who were just playing golf where they were supposed to be playing golf and had the police called on them. We had people who were trying to exercise, had the police called on them. So this is like a normal occurrence. Then in the conversation, we're going to actually get in depth on how sometimes when the police come, often they don't de-escalate. They actually escalate, especially when there are black people involved. However, when we see mass murders, mass murders like we saw at Parkland, like we saw at Emanuel AME, like we saw recently at the Waffle House, somehow those white shooters go home and they are alive and in one piece. Or they go to Burger King. Or they go to Burger King. Don't forget that. With a bulletproof vest on to protect them from all of us. Right. So, you know, understanding that there's clearly a racialized difference here in the ways that uh, criminality is understood and how those in the criminal justice with lots of air quotes around it understand who deserves protecting and who deserves to be, uh, I guess, seen as not protectable. Then, in the reflection at the very end, I think we should talk about times when you and I have had interactions with the police. I've had way too fucking many. I mean, I've had more than I would like to say, to be honest. And I think we should talk about how we were basically doing nothing other than being black people in public. Mm -hmm. And how those experiences resulted in somebody calling the police. Yep. All right. Let go. Okay. So, for first things first... In episode 16, yes. I want to get started with uh, going through what, some, what happened in some of these cases. Right. So, you know me, I was, first things first, I always love to get the facts out. Uh-huh. You know, let, let's, get, let's get our minds right. Let's get our on, on one page and one accord. On one accord. Yes, there we go. Yes. The first case I want to talk about was the case at Starbucks. Yeah. Um, this happened on April 12th. Uh, Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson went to a Philadelphia Starbucks. They were going there for, I believe it was a real estate meeting. Yeah, meeting. And they sat down, and I was, I was, when I, I was looking at the actual timestamps of what happened because this, this case is so ridiculous. Right. They sat down at four thirty-five. Their meeting was scheduled to happen at four forty-five. Correct. So these 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 black men right. came to Starbucks for a meeting and got there ten minutes early. They was ready. Right. 
right? They, and that's they, not that's not usual. That's not normal. That's, that's not CP time. No, so they they were handling their business, right? You no, know, they were not on time. They were early. They were early, right? But somehow Starbucks called nine one one. Yes. By four thirty seven. Two minutes so, after they arrived. So literally two minutes <laughs> after they came in. So apparently the the barista or whoever it was behind the counter immediately came out from behind the counter to where they were sitting right. and said, "Hey, you want something to drink? You want something to eat? You want to you want to do something?" Right. And they're like, "No, we're here for a meeting." And then I guess said, "Oh, you don't want to order nothing right now? That means we need to call the police." <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing. It's not funny at all. It's just it's so outrageous. It's, it's just funny. so outrageous. It's not funny. I mean, and then and then the police came, and not only did the police come and like you know cause a scene, they basically said, "Get up." handcuffed them and right. escorted them straight out of the Starbucks. Like right. they had actually done something wrong other than walking in and sitting down at a table. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. The second one I want to get into is, is something that's, a, when I saw that, I first saw it on Facebook when people were just really passing it around before it was actually a news story. And it just really grated my nerves because, because I think as black people, we've all kind of been in this situation where you're not doing anything. You're right. really just doing what everyone else is doing. But somehow you get singled out just because you're the black people. Right. Um, in this case, um, it took place in Secaucus, um, New Jersey. Uh, and Sharad Oates, he, him and his friend went to an L.A. Fitness to work out. Correct. Because that's what you do at L.A. Fitness? Because that's what you do. <laughs> they walked in. They scanned their badges. I guess one of them had a guest, ba- a guest pass. Mm-hmm. And then they went and they worked out. And somehow the employees believed that they just didn't belong there that they hadn't paid, that they weren't members, and basically harassed them and said, oh, well, you need to pay or you need to get out. Right. So they went up back to the front. Right. Scanned again to say, no, we really do belong here. Right. Look, see? Right. Got right. badges, right? Right. Not good enough, apparently, because right. then they called the police once again. You know, we're noticing a trend here. Right. Um, <laughs> and basically it caused this huge, huge scene once again in the front of the LA fitness when everyone else is, is trying to, you know, work out. The only black people are getting singled out again and right. made it seem like for some reason they just don't belong in the right. situation. Right. Right. Last case. This is actually the one that really bothers me. This one. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things like 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 Henry Louis Gates that shows you it don't matter who you are, it don't matter, are, who you are, it don't matter where, where you, you go, it don't right. matter how much money you make, right. it don't matter how you style your hair. Absolutely, it, none of that matters. Respectability will not save you. It will not save you. Right. Um, this case took place at Grandview Golf Club in York, Pennsylvania, and it was these five black women. They were members of a group called Sisters in the Fairway, mm-hmm. and all they wanted to do was play around the golf. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're sisters. Um, in the fairway, mm-hmm. what they do is they play golf. Mm-hmm. And so they're playing, and the white people behind them are like, oh, my God. They're just taking so long. They're, oh, my gosh. They're so slow. They're these, just taking so long. These Negroes are oh so my gosh. You know, they're black. They must not understand the rules of golf, not knowing that these people have been, these women have been playing golf for years. But also, like, since when is golf a fast sport? Listen. Like, I've never seen anyone play fast golf. Listen. I... When I heard this story, I, on some degree, I, I understood. I could kind of see it because I know that these these people get testy over golf. Because you bougie, you mean? if you if 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 you have to wait on people in front of you, they get they get really testy. <laughs> but, but 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 also like it's golf. Like chill right, the fuck that, out. Calm calm down. Like sit down, eat your like your cult, and like <laughs> have one of those like you know old people. 
Moscow mule things. Like do what old people do at the golf course and right. relax your fucking self. Right. What are you doing? But listen, the thing was, these black women were not playing slow. There were people in front of them. Right, so they had to wait for them. Just right. like when you're driving at a light and the car in front of you doesn't move and the person behind you honks and you're like, what the fuck? It's like, I, I can't, can't drive, drive through, through the car. <laughs> <laughs> or in some cases, as we've seen, they just get so mad, they just literally drive around you, they drive up on the curb. It's like, it's like there's people there. There's, there's a, a car. There's a person and I can't kill them. I'm it's sorry that you really want to drive over everyone. <laughs> but that's basically what these white people were doing. They were like, we want to go, and you guys are in front of us, and that is affecting the pace at which we want to play. So what happens in golf is you do the first nine holes, and then you take a break. Right. And then you do the, the back nine. Yeah, see, is, I know that. Right, see? These, these are golf terms. That's all I know. Right. Well, That's about it, though. Then you know par. And you ride the, the carts, and you right. move really slow. That's it. Right. And you probably wear something like salmon color, and your shorts have pleats. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me finish the story before you, before you get into this. Okay, so what happened is they played that first nine, mm-hmm. right? And just like you're supposed to do in golf, you take a break mm-hmm. because you've been playing for nine holes, which is a right. long, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of swinging, your arms are tired, you've been walking a good fair amount. Right. You take a break. They got mad at them and said they're taking too long of a break. The niggas is lazy. <laughs> He said, you Negroes is too lazy. And so what did, the, what did these black women do? They pointed to the same group that was in front of them already and said, but they still over there drinking their beers. So why are you coming at us like we're taking right. too long of a break? Right. So what they do? They went and got the manager. No. What'd they do? They called the police. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I thought the I thought the owner called the police. No, yeah, the, yeah the, the, the white people, I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah, the white because people what happened the is, I think what also happened is that the women contacted a pro, one of the pros on the field, and said, hey, is this normal? And the pro was like, y'all are doing everything yeah. that you're supposed to be doing. Like, you're not doing anything out of the norm. These, these women are not novices. No, it's not like not. this is their first time yeah, playing golf. They literally were like, we're doing everything that you're supposed to do. Like, we literally are fine. And a pro who, who like, does this was like, yeah, everything's good here. And then they went to the the son of the owner and the son of well, the owner no, no, no. came after them. The son of the owner was in the group of people behind them. Oh, I didn't gather that. Yeah. So the guy, oh, that makes right. sense. Son of so the owner was he was called playing. the police. So they called the police. Gotcha. Cause once again, a big stir. Gotcha. Right? But once again, these black people were not in the wrong. What I do right. like about this story though, right. Is at the end, the, they're one of the co-owners. Right. Um, I guess it's a husband and wife that own it. Right. The the of course they got the wife to call. Had right. to call and apologize to them and say, Oh my gosh, I'm oh, so sorry so that this sorry. happened to you. You I'm know, so you guys didn't do that anything our son's wrong. A piece of racist trash. Right. And I was like <laughs> Our son's a, a piece of shit. I'm so sorry. Y'all called the police on them. <laughs> and I, and I, that's 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 what I really want to get into with first things first here is looking at these cases and Every instance, there was no reason to call the police. Correct. Like, and even if there could have had the potentiality of there being a need for for the police to get involved, these white people jumped from zero to 100. Right. Like, in, in the case of Starbucks, in two minutes. Right. Like, they literally just went, oh, you're not doing what I want, police. Right. right. And I, th- I think what that really is saying is 
we have the power and we're going to enforce it on you. Right. And right. we know that if the police get involved, they're right. going to side with us. Right. It's like, look, Negro, you think you can come into this facility or into this public place and you think you have rights? I'll show you. And I think that's my issue with the thing, too, is like this whole process of calling the police to enforce space, to me, is very much an act of terror. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all watching the news, right? So we know that we've seen videos of what's happening to unarmed Black people when they interact with police. Far too often, police are killing us. Let's just be honest. We've Mm -hmm. seen the videos, whether we wanted to see them or not, right? People have seen videos of Freddie Gray. People have seen videos of Walter Scott. People have seen videos of Eric Garner. People have seen videos of Michael Brown, you know, Trayvon Martin. We've heard him actually screaming out for help. You know, there's there's all these videos. Tamir Rice. Philando Castile. I mean, it's actually disturbing how much evidence we have of police interacting with black people who end up dead. Yep. And then we, I mean, and then it's not just gendered either. So we have video of Sandra Bland saying, you know, they're coming after me. We have a webcam of her being harassed by police. We have Corinne Gaines saying they're following after me and her documenting her being followed and harassed by police on her Instagram feed where she's telling us, you know, I had a fine. Now they want me to come back in. They followed me home. If they kill me, this is what happened. Like, like this is not, we don't have to look very far to see what it's like to be a black person in the United States and have to deal with the constant threat and surveillance of police authorities. Right? So while I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, two black men walk into a Starbucks and they sit down. They literally sit down. So their offense was literally sitting in a Starbucks. Yep. And when you think about that, 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 in that exchange, and maybe put them in different skin tone, give them some yoga pants, give them a couple babies, whatever. No police are involved. Nope. If they were white women in yoga pants who had just come from a yoga practice and just wanted to sit down at a Starbucks, nothing would happen. I do this frequently. I walk into a Starbucks. I don't buy shit. The other day, I ate my whole fucking lunch in a Starbucks. I was like, I'm getting this Wi-Fi. I'm a mm-hmm. grad student. I'm collecting that Wi-Fi. I sat there and ate my sandwich and my salad from my house and took out my laptop. And nobody called the police on me. I mean, I don't know how many times I've walked into a Starbucks, sat down, right, put my phone on the wireless charger because right. I'm going to charge my phone, right, and talked to you for about 20 minutes, right, because and then promptly got back up and walked right out the Starbucks. It's a public place. It's a public place. That's what and it's that's built for. The point of, of public places, especially ones that offer free Wi-Fi. The whole point is that you come in and sit down. So the idea that this, I think it was a manager who called on them, decided to call within two minutes, to me says a, a lot. A, it says, yeah, I don't think that you belong here, right? So you don't look like our normal fare. You don't look like somebody who would typically come in here. You know, you're up to no good. Maybe you're doing a drug deal, a Starbucks drug deal. Starbucks. Right? But also, on the other hand, to me, it's also this larger narrative that I think is developing and that runs through all the accounts that you gave about being at LA Fitness and somehow, you know, you just don't belong here and you didn't pay, even though... I can look at the computer system and tell that you actually paid or you're on the golf course and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. But I'm just mad because you merely exist. That to me is the other theme here. Right. The other theme is there is this growing animosity toward black people having the audacity to exist in public. 
right? Mm -hmm. And I don't like to give Trump credit for things. I don't like to say, oh, ever since Trump got into office, this is happening. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I do think that there is this equal and opposite like counterforce that's happening where a lot more black people are saying, you know, fuck you, I'm black. And mm-hmm. in response, a lot of more white people are saying, hey, but we have the state. And so there's this kind of like contention where blackness is already and always seen as this combativeness. It's already seen as criminal. It's already seen as something that is meant to eradicate and undermine whiteness and the power invested in it. And so those black men who decided that they would just come into a Starbucks and sit down and not buy a macchiato, who do they think they are? I am the manager. I'm calling the police. You know, like, I think that's the interesting thing that we're thinking about now where it's not that all the white people who are calling the police are thinking, well, I hope the police shoot them. Because I actually don't think that they're thinking that's going to happen. No, they Because don't. they're fucking so. stupid, right? Yeah. Because they're fucking ridiculous, right? That could fucking happen. Like, what yeah. is wrong with you? That could absolutely fucking happen. So that's why you shouldn't do it, right? That's absolutely a risk. That's definitely 100,000% within the realm of possibilities, right? That this person could not go home because you were mad that they sat in Starbucks for two fucking minutes. But, or but they were using the treadmill. But they're whatever. definitely weaponizing that risk. Exactly. That's the thing I think that is really concerning to me. It's the idea that I am taking the arm of the state, the most violent arm of the state, and I'm using as a tool to enact white supremacy. Right? Like, I'm like, I'm white, so I can just call the police and do whatever I want, and they're going to do whatever I want them to do. And that's my problem with these narratives. So when white people are calling the police... They can't feign ignorance about this. It can't be like a, oh, I had no idea. I didn't want them to, I didn't want them to get killed. Okay, bitch, what did you want? Please explain to me what well, the fuck you wanted. But we know, we know what they wanted. They, oh, well, here's the thing. But we actually don't, right? Because if you call the police after somebody sits their black ass in a fucking chair for two fucking minutes, right? <laughs> what you really wanted was them to buy a fucking macchiato. That's not going to get them to buy no damn macchiato, you dumbass. That's not going to get nobody to buy no fucking macchiato. But see, I don't I don't think that's what they wanted. I think in all these cases, what they wanted was for the black people to not be there. I So I kind of agree, right? So I think to some degree, I kind of agree. But I also think that what we're contending with is this new white liberalism where a lot of well-meaning whites, I'm not racist, Whites Mm -hmm. don't understand that their desire to enact this state-based fairness on Black people is also racist. And so I don't think that they would say, I don't want them to be here. They would say they have to follow the same rules as everybody else, which is a different, right? It's a different set of logics, right? Yeah, but I, I I think the thing is, is I think there's what's conscious was running like at the forefront of their mind right. and then was running the subconscious. Right. Because I think subconsciously, right, we're, we're thinking, oh, everyone needs to follow the same rules. Right. Now, you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that all the people in the Starbucks 
all of them had walked up to the counter and ordered oh, a macchiato or a frappuccino oh, or a latte not. or a muffin or a, a, a bagel or whatever. No, there's no way. You cannot tell me every single person was in there. I'm sure no. there was some college student that sat down and put their and headphones on and worked too on a much ton of paper. Money. Right. I'm $2.95 sure. for a croissant. They've probably been there for four hours oh, and right. moved. They talked to nobody. Right. right. You can't. That's that's Starbucks. Right. Right. So, so. In the forefront of their mind, what they're using to justify what they're doing is to say, oh, everyone needs to follow the same rules. Same right. thing with the golfers. Oh, right. we need to follow the rules. You're supposed to go at a certain pace. You're right. not going at a certain pace. We need to fix you. Right. We need to get you in order. Right. Right? But subconsciously, right. what they, I, I believe what they want is something else. Now, I so the thing is, when we say want, I think I am thinking that it has to be conscious. Yeah. Right? So for me, I'm thinking that when you think about an employee of LA Fitness, when you think about someone who is a manager of Starbucks, when you think about somebody who is a co-owner or some type of stakeholder in a golf course, they have a vested interest in the business doing well. And that's the other thing that I think is at play here is that these are people who are being harassed for being black at businesses. They're not just sitting on like a public bus or in a public park, right? They're actually in a business and they're being harassed by employees of those businesses. Right. So as patrons of those businesses, it actually doesn't make any sense to call the police on them. It, it actually makes the least amount of sense to do that. Right. What would make sense is to actually service them, give them service mm-hmm. and treat them with respect or at least wait till they get to a point where you can like get them out soon. But they also still ate something or, or paid you some money. Yeah. Right. I just, I still don't think that they value them as, as patrons though. Like I don't say, I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. You're saying what would make sense would be. Right. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying that I'm saying that when we think about what's happening here, we have to think about it in terms of black people, citizenship and using the state as a way to enact racism. Because they they're working against their own self interests, right? Right. So, what they should want is to sell fucking croissants and macchiatos, and have people on the treadmill, and have a great experience, and have black women who are golfing, so they invite more black women. That's what they should want, right? But when you do the stupid shit that people are doing, it works against your own self interests, right? Yep. So, so if you're that invested in white supremacy, and but I'm sure all the people say I'm not racist. <laughs> it's probably the same people who wear a safety pin. I'm not racist. Well, I have black friends, right? Like, and that's what that's that's the thing that I think I have a tension with. I have a tension with the fact that far too often the people who actually call the police are not the really, 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 really racist ones. That's the thing. The people who call the police are the people who are the moderate, liberal-leaning people who just believe that we need to have a sense of order and everyone has to follow the rules and everything has to be equal and egalitarian and fair. Mm. And those are the people, to me, who are the most dangerous. And those are the people who call the police. Those the, are the people who call the police. The colorblind people. The colorblind people. That's, the, that's what I'm thinking. And I think that's my concern. Because to me, if you was out and out racist, to be honest, if they was out and out racist when they walked into Starbucks, they would have just avoided the fuck out of them, right? They wouldn't have like they would have given them bad service. They would have wrote true. nigger on their race on their receipt. You know, they would have done something like that. Oh yeah, because we've seen that. We've stuff. seen that, right? So I mean, we've seen examples of out and out racists who do out and out racist shit. But this, 
new, like, you know, I'm just going to wield the arm of the state against you. That's some new neoliberal type shit. That's some liberal as, you know, I didn't do anything. That wasn't my intention. I voted for Clinton type shit. You know what I'm saying? And that's the type of shit that me that is very, very dangerous. That's the type of people who call on you and just say, well, the police are supposed to serve and protect us. How was I supposed to know that they were going to drag you down the street? How was I supposed to know that they would shoot yep. you? And they'll be the same ones after the incident crying like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. But we still need to have police, though. Right. Those are the same people. That's my concern. That's my concern. And that's why white people in particular have to be more critical about how they wield the state. Because the state is not doing the calculus of, okay, so am I ideologically closer to the left or the right here? Or am I? That's not what the fuck the state is doing. The state is saying citizen, non-citizen. Rights, not rights. Human, not human. Demon, angel. That's what the state is doing. And far too often, Black people are on the losing side of that equation. Thank you for listening. We are the proud founders of watercoolerconvos.com, a platform at the intersections of Blackness, culture, and adulting. We started that Black couple to dive deeper into the issues facing young Black millennial folks navigating the anti-Black, anti-queer, white supremacist world today. This podcast is supported by donations and patronage of our listeners and readers of our blog. You should head over there and check out some of the content when you get a chance. If you would like to become a monthly subscriber or patron and help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash watercoolerconvos. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. We really want to hire new writers and social media people, y'all, but we can't do that without your help. You can also give a one-time donation at www.paypal.me forward slash watercoolerconvos. All donations are welcome. You can stream the show on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing an episode, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope-ass comments. This helps us with our page views and also gives us more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the show. All right, we back. You didn't say nothing. You got it. Whenever I say we back, you say we back. And we back. And oh we my back. God, no. It's not even authentic now. It's over? Yes. I missed it. Anyway, it's time for the conversation. <laughs> so, I think we should talk about, in terms of um, like police interactions with Black Americans, I think we should talk about the chances of fatality. And how that negatively impacts specifically Black Americans and Black men in particular. Yeah. So there is data um, that suggests, and we'll definitely include links in the show notes. But there's data that suggests that right behind Native American men, Black men are the most likely to be killed when they interact with police. So this basically means like if Black men come into contact with police, they will be killed the second highest amount out of all other racial groups. Um, And then behind Black American men um, is Latinx men. But there's also data that says that uh, Black Americans overall are about seven times more likely to be unarmed 
when killed by police. And that number is uh, skewed up because of the fact that women, Black women, are more likely to be unarmed when killed by police. So there's a there's a twofold issue, right, happening here. There's the issue that whether armed or unarmed, police are just more likely to kill Black men. And typically when police kill Black women, they are unarmed, right? So there's this kind of bimodal issue where police are just really killing Black people a lot, Yeah. right? And when I think about this, I think about... Um, a video that actually really bothered me um, that I really, really struggled with that um, this was when I was still watching videos of us being lynched um, back in 2014 when John Crawford III was killed in an Ohio Walmart. And he was walking through the Walmart on a cell phone talking to his girlfriend. And there was a couple walking basically behind him and watching him, a white guy, and I think his his girlfriend, but the guy called police, I think his last name was Richie, and he called police and basically was giving them a rundown, like, oh, this dude has a gun, you know, he's just waving it around, he's pointing at children, blah, blah, blah. Well, John Crawford had a pellet gun, a BB gun type situation that was actually sold in Walmart. It was a toy. It was a toy gun from Walmart. And he's walking around the store holding a toy from inside Walmart. He had gone there to pick up like milk and groceries. And they had basically followed him for like 20 minutes. And by the time he figured out that people were afraid of him because they started clearing out the store, police basically cornered him behind a a, a lane, an aisle. And when he tried to come out, they just shot him. And I remember watching that video and I'm like, well, how the hell was he supposed to actually, like, not get killed? How was he supposed to not die? There, there wasn't an option. There wasn't an option to not die. Like, literally, y'all just decided that he had an actual gun in an open carry state. And that he was just going, what, kill everybody in the store? He just walked around for 20 minutes on a cell phone, just waving an assault rifle around. Just But didn't, didn't make any demands. Nothing. Didn't say anything to anyone. Nothing. Didn't actually shoot anybody right. or shoot anything. Right. But the guy who called made it sound like he was pointing the gun at people. Right? right. And I'm just like, where's the police work? Like, where's the actual? But, you know, he was black. So there's that. Then you think about, you know, Tamir Rice, who is, you know, a kid, a 12-year-old boy in a park who has a, another pellet gun, a toy BB gun that looks kind of like a pistol. And he's hanging out in the park and someone sees him, you know, from wherever they were. We still don't even actually know where they were and calls police and says, there's a guy, you know, with a pistol in the park. And, you know, there's reports that say that he might've told the dispatcher, like it might be a kid and it might be a toy gun. But there's not clear evidence that that information was articulated to the police officers about whether or not it was a kid and a toy gun. But when you watch the video, they pull up and before the officer can even get his whole body out of the door, he's already shot Tamir. He's already shot him. And I remember seeing that where he basically just stuck his gun out of the top of the door and like barely had his body out of the door and was already shooting He was already shooting. I was like, again, where was the option to not die? 
Where was the option to not die? No option. Because the, the thing that gets me about the, both of these cases is there was no way for either of these individuals to even have an inkling or a clue that someone thought they might have been doing something wrong. Right. Right. Like, no one said, hey, is that a gun? Or, hey, you're trying to shoot someone? Or, what's right. going on? No one communicated with either of them at all. Right. They right. just shot him. They just shot him. And we think about Charlene Lyles, pregnant, 30 years old. She thinks she was killed in 2017, last year, and was in the house in Seattle with her three children, three children, and pregnant, and called police because she suspected that she had been burglarized. She called police to help her with a burglary and had a knife in her hand because she was afraid because she suspected that her house had been burglarized. Mm -hmm. And seeing the weapon in her hand, the police killed her. The police killed Charlena Lyles because she had a weapon in her hand that she was wielding because she thought she had been burglarized, which completely makes sense, right? Because, you know, that's what you do when you think somebody might be in your house. They come into her house and kill her. And her three kids are in the house and she's pregnant, right? And I'm just like, well, again, what the fuck? Like, what the entire? And I I think what concerns me about this, and this is why, like, I grew up being taught, like, don't ever call the police. Like, I'm trying to think about if I ever called the police. And, like, I'm like, I don't know. You're looking up like, did Mm. I ever call the police? (laughs) I mean, because, you know, when you're at school or whatever, these schools that are mixed race schools, they always teach you how to dial 911. And, like, you're always told, like, dial 911, an emergency call 911 or whatever. And that was always very confusing for me. That was always very confusing for me because I knew that if it was something where, like, somebody had a heart attack or somebody fell down or broke a leg or you know, something like that, I knew I could call 911. Like, right. I knew that was something where I had to call 911 because we absolutely couldn't fix that. Like, we just couldn't do anything. We just had to get 911 and we had to just get them to send an ambulance because then the police wouldn't come. But I also knew, like, if the fucking police come, that's not good. So if you get into a fight, you don't call police. Like, if somebody fighting, if something pop off, we don't call police. If we see police, we go the other way. I don't care if we actually happen to have a fight right now. We're going to stop fighting until the police roll by, and then we're going to restart the fight when they go. Like, like I mean, it's like a hood like rule. Like, we don't fuck with police. We just don't fuck with police. And this is why. I mean, this is the the, the problem. The problem, I think, lies in the fact that we haven't really ever grappled with systemic racism. Yeah. We haven't grappled with the way that the police officers are still just people who are really fucking racist. And a lot of them join police departments because they want to enact their fucking racism and then we give them power. Yeah, they want to be empowered. Right, we give them batons and assault rifles and and we basically militarize white supremacy. And I don't understand how we can really be serious about justice or any of that shit without having a conversation about that. Well, you, you can't really. I mean, to, to me, when you think about the police, and I think the, the cases that you outlined are kind of perfect to really spell it out, and that 
when you think about the police force, what they're really supposed to do is they're supposed to enforce, you know, rule of law. Right. And in a lot of cases, what that's supposed to mean is they're supposed to de-escalate situations. Correct. But what we really see is escalation mm-hmm. as a means for just shutting down the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's take it all the way to the top, and then it'll be over. Let's let's let the pot boil over, and then, then the fire will be out. What do you mean by that? Like... Like, so, so when you think about some of these cases, like you think about like John Crawford, right? Yeah. So de-escalating the situation and, and, and let's be very clear here. We have seen the police de-escalate situations. Oh yeah. We have seen white shooters where, oh yeah. You know, they were cautious. They talked to them. Oh they yeah. They tried to talk to Shot them. Shot them in kneecaps. You know, they, you know, they had all these conversations and back and forth. And right. so let's, let's, how do we, how do we get this to be resolved peacefully? Right. Right. Like we, so it's a possibility. We know that right. they know how to do it. Right. But when you think about someone like John Crawford, right? When right. you think about like Tamir Rice, like we were saying, right? They weren't given an option. No. They weren't given an anything. They were just given, you know, firearms. Basically. Aimed at them and shot at them. Basically. And what the police should be doing is trying to de-escalate these situations for this exact reason. Because just because someone calls in, just because someone says, Oh, I think, or there might be, or I don't know, I'm not sure doesn't mean that there is an actual threat right so as a police officer you need to come in and figure out if there is an actual real threat now part of me believes that when they come into these situations and they hear that it's a black person or they see that it's a black person they're automatically already thinking it's a threat right especially when it's a white person calling right and the john crawford one it just i feel like it's it's such a crystal clear case of of this happening right where a white person calls in and says, there's a black person with a gun. Right. And that's literally all anyone needed to know. Right. Was, there's a white person here, and they're saying there's a black person who has some type of, of But he, he, he also, arms. he also, to me, I thought he should be arrested because he also wielded his identity as a veteran. And he yeah. said, I am someone who's handled guns in this guy's experience. Like, he had a whole spiel yeah. about how John Crawford was some mastermind. And so I was like, this dude should be under the fucking jail. And when I think back to when this happened, and I remember we had so many conversations about it, and I remember thinking, we said, wow, it really is that guy's fault, because he really set the police up, right, mm-hmm. to think, oh, this is a case, a, a case where, you know, people, there's going to be a mass shooting, and this black guy's going to kill all these white people in Walmart, and we got to yeah. get this shit down, which I believe is true. He did set the police up for that. Right. But that doesn't let the police off the no. hook from doing their job. It does not. I mean... What, how how many cases have we seen of mass shooters? Right, like literally running around with with guns, with bombs, blowing things up. Yeah. What was the what was the the case where um, was it the Bundys? Where oh, in uh, was it New Mexico or wherever? Yeah, where they were like, we have this farmland and the government right. is taking it from us. It looked like an episode of Homeland. Right. So we're just gonna occupy it, <laughs> yes. and we're gonna we're gonna train our weapons on you know. FBI federal <laughs> officials. It was literally like I thought that Sal was gonna walk up, and I'm like, "Wait, is this HBO or really? is this real fucking life?" And they <laughs> and, let them just sit there, for, and that was like government land, and they were like, "We're just gonna occupy it with our weapons, and this is what we're gonna do." And that's like, what we're gonna do. Okay. And then they and then they got off with like a slap on the wrist. Basically, I mean, like <laughs> basically. And every every time these cases come up, we say. Oh, if that was a black person, it right. would have gone very when, when differently. When we did that, it, we got Pro. Right. 
That's that's, that's what happens. That's what happened to us. We had the counterintelligence operation. But but what it what it does to me, and and you said something very very important, where you said back when I used to watch videos. Yeah. Because I was the same way. Like I used to watch the videos, and I felt like there was a responsibility. Like we need to see what's happening. We need to know what's happening, and not just read it, but we need to see it to say. This is reality, right. and this is what we are actually facing, and we need to give these people who have been slain the, that type of respect. Right. But what I came to, to realize is all that really was was like public lynching. Absolutely. And the whole purpose of lynching is obviously to punish the person who is being lynched. Correct. But then to use them as an example. Absolutely. And to and to work on the minds Absolutely. of people who could put themselves in that place. Absolutely. And I at one point I it was very real to me where I realized watching this video all it is doing is messing with my mind right. is really fucking me up on the inside right. to where I'm scared to leave the house. Right. To where I'm scared to do anything. Like even even now like I'll be going to get on the train and I'll see that there's like five police officers in a huddle, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Okay. Right. Um, do I look at them? Do I not look at them? Right. Is that going to make me look suspicious? Or if I look at them, is it, are they going to think that I'm some type of a threat who's right. going to challenge them? Right. Do I walk faster? Or do I walk slower? Um, what do I have on? Am I, do, do I do I right. am I presenting myself a certain way? Right. You know, what's you know, is there a, a threat that's actually happening right now that they might you know profile me and think that I'm the one that they've been looking for. Like all of these things run in my mind. Right. And realistically you will say, Oh, that's you. And that's some type of anxiety. Right. None of these things are are realistic, but the problem is that they are. They are. We have seen in case after case, after case, after case, after case where those things did happen. Absolutely. People did take action and people ended up dead at the end. Absolutely. And so, that really does work on your brain Absolutely. and alter the entire value of your life. Absolutely. When you are at the state's mercy, mm-hmm. which is going back to the whole point of us having this episode, mm-hmm. is that's why when white people call the police, like you said, that is a terrorist act. Absolutely. Like what you hear? You can find my mom and dad, aka That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com you can find them on facebook at that black couple and you can find them on instagram and twitter at that blk couple if you have questions or comments about the show email them at that blk couple at gmail.com thank you for listening all right now it's time for the reflection let's do it so it wouldn't be a reflection if we weren't talking about our own personal experiences. Correct. And now we're talking about white people calling the police. So on us, right? So I thought <laughs> that's the perfect way to start this segment is to talk when talk about a time when the, the police were called mm-hmm. about us doing something, which, like in many of these other cases, we weren't really doing anything illegal, anything right. wrong. We weren't a threat to anybody, but so we called the police anyway. Right. So. Back when we were dating. Yes. Nope. No, we were not dating yet. This was we, actually. This was before we were. We this were was dating? the night that we actually. I was asking you why we weren't dating, and this is the night you told me because I'm afraid to hurt you. That's what you said. 
Oh, I sound really sweet. You were a really sweet boy. You really were a sweet boy. <laughs> you were. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand your ass. So I was like, nigga, well, just date me, okay? Well, and it's funny. So, so I think that actually is great because it really does set the stage for mm-hmm. this, right? So, you know, we were talking about us. And, yes, we were, and what this relationship. It was the end is of our first be. year of undergrad, and yep. we were reflecting on our time at at undergrad. And we 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 walked down the street from my parents' house, my mother's house. We drove. Oh, that's true. We drove. We could have walked because well, we had. Really, I think we were coming from the movies. Yeah, it was like one. Yeah, we we, we were, were coming, coming from, from the, the movies, movies, and instead of going straight to the house, I said, "Let's go to the park." Let's just go because I always wanted to go do some shit. Right. You were. <laughs> I can't imagine how, how many things you just had us out in the streets doing. doing. But so we just went to the park. It was it was late. I think it was what like ten. When we got there, it wasn't it wasn't that late. We, it we got there. Late. It was still nine something. It was like yeah, it was like nine. We sat out there for a long time. And we just we just went, parked at the park. We walked over to the swings. And we I just swung. We just swung you and know, talked about and just chatted, college. You know, in in our in our USC our hoodies. USC hoodies. Really casual. Next to your anything. next to your Land Rover. Oh my god. <laughs> Dan, and so Dan got money. <laughs> I, I ain't got money. Yeah. So we're swinging. Mm-hmm. We're and we're swinging. chatting. You know, yeah. we're talking about life. Mm-hmm. You know, having these deep conversations about, you know, life and love and, and our, relationships. I don't and think it was love and relationships. It, it wasn't quite love. It was, it was about precursor it was talking to love. shit about the people we lived on the floor with in college. But yes, it's close enough. Close enough. Yes. Um, And then all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A car's rolling up all quiet. Yeah, we no see a police on. car strolling up. You know, you know how police cars creep, creep up. which is the the creepiest it's so thing. Terrifying. It's terrifying because you're. It's it's like it's like when you watch a suspenseful movie. Yeah. And you're just waiting and for the climax to hit. I think I said like know. I said, what are they doing? Yeah, we because we, honestly, we were the only ones at the park, but we're like, I was like, are they just patrolling? Yeah, what are they doing? Uh, like. Police officers don't drive around that neighborhood. It was very weird. And didn't they like drive past us and then they like come did, back? They came back because, it, which once again, it's so terrifying. Super, it's super scary because it's like we're trying to size you up to figure out right. you know, what type of action we're gonna take. Right. They turn that big ass. Oh yeah, they yeah, that big floodlight. Right. I fucking hate that light. It kills your eyes. And you're like, uh, hi. Once again, really terrifying because if they're gonna do anything, you, you at that point see. you can't see anything. Right. You don't know. If there's a weapon drawn, you don't right. know if they're running up to you. You don't know anything. Right. And, yeah, and they basically tell us, like, like, oh, why are you here at the park? Why, why are you here? <laughs> and I think I said, because, you know, I didn't end up here. I said, we're swinging. <laughs> like, there's two of us, and we're sitting on two fucking swings. What are you doing at the park? <laughs> Being white and annoying. <laughs> but I think what bothered me was that he, like, basically made us produce identification like somehow the identification will right. get us into the park right like 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 oh i see that you live down the street and that you go to usc okay you both go to usc okay you can stay at the park <laughs> have a good night have a good night <laughs> but that actually did kind of happen that way because once he realized that you lived in the neighborhood and yep. that we were both usc students he just treated us differently and right. i hate that shit like i hate that he wanted identification to confirm that we were, you know, valuable, that somehow our blackness had to be tethered to some type of white institution or some type of recognizable institution yeah. to him as a position, a, a person in authority. And what would have happened if we didn't have 
Right. What if you had a wallet? Would you have what been arrested? What if I lived, you know, a block away? What if you lived in away? a different neighborhood? You know, what if what if we were just passing through? Right. And that's that. That's the scary thing is that I don't know if you would have been arrested. I don't know. I would have been arrested. I don't know what would have happened that night. I lived there my whole life and didn't know this, but apparently there was some type of rule where after ten o'clock you weren't supposed to. You be can't be in the park. At the park. <laughs> then they should turn the lights off. Right. And, and the thing, <laughs> the thing, the thing that got me about it too is. We weren't causing any type of disturbance. No, we right? were literally sitting quietly on the swings. But clearly, somebody, somebody had picked him. up their phone. <laughs> yes. And said... Well, he told us that. Right. He said someone called the police. So... It's like, these negros are in the in the park. The negros. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, what are we doing to, yeah. to bother you? What Being are, black at 10 o'clock in Anaheim. That shit's terrifying to some people, apparently. Apparently, it is. That one was interesting to me because I think at that point, I had already learn to hate police like I, I i was so fucking done with police at that point that and i gotta work on this because i mean i'm very much like i'm not the person who's quiet when police walk up anyway <laughs> no, you're not. I, I i flip off at the mouth <laughs> it's a bad problem because fuck them right fuck them right but at the same time like he shot he did that floodlight shit and i had no respect for no fuck punk ass like that's some punk ass shit like what is you doing like just talk to me do you want to ask me a question? Why is you shining that fucking... What is you doing? Like, what is you doing? It's funny because you said that. You said, just talk to me. And I thought about how they have all these, like, neighborhood, like, oh, initiatives. Where it's like, yeah, come hang out with the cops for the afternoon. And, you know, let's sip, sip a cup of joe. And, you no, know. Thanks. And it's so funny to me. Because it's like, you really want me to come and sit down and just no, hang no. out. And just, you know, kiki. No. With... The no. same person who's going to flash a big floodlight in my face. And give me a fucking ticket for speeding. Right. No, the, the same people. Like, oh, just build community. And no. No. Keep your cup of joe, bitch. <laughs> I got no, other things girl. to do with my afternoon. Right? I'm not hanging out no fucking pussy. He going to bring his gun? <laughs> Fuck that. It don't make no sense. Why? I mean, can I go hang out with the fucking school? Go hang out with the school teachers. Like, yeah. Go hang out with the local doctors. Like, there are people in the neighborhood who we actually should be getting to fucking know. We should actually have a close relationship with them because they actually do life-saving shit. They actually take care of us and like make meaningful shit happen in our lives every day. Why the fuck am I going to spend my free well, quality time with a fucking cop? I think what they want is basically reinforcing what we just said. Ooh, this is this segment making me mad. I know. But oh, it's like it's like we were saying, like when we showed our ID and it's like, oh, you live here. Oh, oh you're USC. okay. You're but valid. It's like, here, show your face to the police. So that if something goes down, they'll recognize you and say, right. oh, I drank coffee with, coffee with you that one time. You good. And, okay. So we have to talk about the other experience that I had. And I've, yeah. had, I've had lots of interactions with police because, you know, black, tall, growing up in the hood. So most of my police act- interactions happen in Oakland. And I mean, I probably had one, two three, four, I maybe like four or five growing up in Oakland. And then the other ones I had were mostly in college. So I've had like 10 or more (laughs) experiences with police. Um, And not just like being pulled over, but like actual interactions where like they were upset with me and wanted me to like stop and get out of my car or go do some shit or whatever. And I think the one that actually fucked me up, the one that actually really fucked me up, like was really demoralizing for me and has probably still has some psychological effects on me is when I was in uh, high school and I was a junior in high school or a sophomore. Might have been, oh, I was a sophomore because I was class president. I was class president and I was a goody two shoes 
when I was in high school. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have A's. This is back when I was respectable. I have A's and I'm a, I'm a virgin and I'm so good. And I go to church and I praise dance. You know, I was that girl. It was really fucking annoying. And, um, <laughs> you know, I did that. And I was super close with the vice principal of the school. You know, my uncle. I called him uncle because everybody your uncle when you black. And, um, you know, I used to kick it in his office because I had extra classes on my schedule. And one of them was just to go hang out with him for one period of class because I had, you know, I could do that because I had good grades. Yep. And every day I would go and get him a jelly donut and he would let me give me a bag of donut holes. It was like a thing. It was a ritual. We did it every fucking day. We did it every fucking day. And, you know, I'm six foot fucking four. Okay. And people recognized me. So I was like, cool. I mean, people knew who I was and the donut people knew me. They would have the donut waiting for me. You know, Mm. it was not a big deal. And so there's one morning and I would leave all my shit in the office because I would just go get the donut and come back. I just go get the donut and come back. And I was so tall half the time people didn't realize I was even a student. So it was it was really not a thing. Um, but this one morning, this fucking white fucking cop, man, I don't know if he was just trying to prove something or what, but everybody at my school, I went to Oakland Tech, everybody like cut. It was like cutting was what people fucking did. They smoked weed, they cut, it was a thing. That's what people did. And when they cut, they cut. Like, they would actually go get on the bus and go somewhere else. It wasn't like they was, like, hanging out on campus. They fucking cut. And so I had walked across the street like I normally did, got the jelly donut, got the fucking donut holes, was coming back to campus. And if anybody knows what Oakland Tech looks like, the school is fucking massive. The school is fucking, it's a gorgeous school. It's a beautiful school. And the front yard of the school is fucking huge. And I was actually turning in to go onto the school premises. Like I actually had my foot in the grass. So I was actually back on school property. And he like swerves up behind me and like turns on his fucking siren and shit. And I'm turning around like, oh shit, <laughs> somebody in trouble. You know, like, right. ooh, bitch. And I look and I'm like, this nigga walking up to me. And he was like, get in the car. And I was like, for what? No, nah, I ain't getting in your car. Like, no. Nah. <laughs> I, I was like, I gotta go to school. Like, what? Why am I going? To, why? Why would I get in your car? I'm. I'm. I have to go back to class. And he was like, "You're a truant." And I'm like, "That doesn't make any fucking sense." Like, are you serious at right all. now? I'm like, "Do you see my backpack? I'm already been at school. My backpack and my purse are in school. Like, what are you talking about? What kind of truant goes back to class? Right. <laughs> exactly. What? What kind of truant says, you know what? I like a donut now. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to school now. Like, And I'm sitting there looking at him. I'm like, you fucking serious? And I didn't know if he, maybe he was like embarrassed because he the way he was saying didn't make no fucking sense. And so he was like, well, I done did it now. I got to stick to it. And I look over at the bus stop and I was like, look at them. They're truant. See them right there? They have not been to school. So they have their backpacks on and they're at the bus stop because they're leaving. They're probably good targets. You should go get them. But they weren't black. They weren't black. They were Asian. And I looked to my right and I saw some more kids walking. And I was like, look, they're probably truant. Why don't you try them? Again, they weren't black. They were white. Mm -hmm. And so there were all these fucking kids walking up and down the street looking at me. All these fucking kids with their backpacks on. And it was second period. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm looking at this cop like, are you fucking serious? And I, I'm, and I mean, I cussed a little bit back then. I cussed a lot back then. I can't remember if I was cussing yet. I was trying to be all respectable and shit. And I was trying to be like, listen, I was like, I have to go to class and I'm class president. So I really need you to understand that I don't, 
I don't cut. Like, I was one of the people who was like, I actually don't cut. And I'm going to college. And I have a 3.76 GPA. Like, I need you to not do this. Because if you take me to the... They had a place where they would take you. They took all the truants to this other school in West Oakland. Now, I'm from East Oakland. Mm-hmm. So, if he took me out... I didn't have my purse. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a backpack. So, he was just going to take me out there and just put me the fuck out there. My mama couldn't come pick me up. Couldn't nobody come pick me up. So, my ass was just going to have to sit there the whole fucking day. Just sit there for a whole fucking day. And I didn't have none of my shit. And I couldn't tell my professors where I was or nothing, right? Yep. So... This nigga gets mad at me. And he's like, I said get in the car, right? So now he's getting mad because I have donuts. And he's like, well, you're clearly getting donuts. And I was like, who the fuck gets a jelly donut and six fucking donut holes? I said, they're not for me. They're for the fucking principal. It's for the vice principal. Look, go ask Marty. Like, ask Marty Price. Ask him. And I'm sitting here telling him, like, listen, just ask somebody about me. Like, ask anybody in the office who the fuck I am. Just say, Jennifer, just, just ask him. Ask him who Jennifer is. And he was like, get in the car. So this dude grabs me, right? So once he grabs me, I'm like pissed. Because I'm like, don't fucking touch me. Like, don't fucking touch me. And this nigga like puts the fucking like plastic handcuffs on me. And throws me in the back of a cop car. He puts plastic handcuffs on me and puts me in the back of a cop car. And I'm like, what the fuck? Y'all get down like this for truancy? Y'all is out here... This is what you do for truancy? And so then he starts talking shit, right? And I'm like, man, I would take off on you so fucking hard <laughs> if I wasn't back here in these fucking plastic-ass handcuffs. He starts talking shit. Bet you won't cut again, blah, blah, blah. You all always want to have all these excuses. And he's just talking shit because he just swears I'm a truant. Yeah, like he just are. swears to God. He just swears to God because he's a dumb fucking piece of shit and clearly has no fucking comprehension because none of it makes sense. And I'm in the backseat like, you are ridiculous. And so I'm getting really pissed off. And I'm like, I am literally the class president. Literally the class president. I said, I've never cut in my fucking life. I've never fucking cut. And you're taking me to truancy camp. And I don't even know where the fuck that is. I don't even know where we're going. And he, like, he, in his mind, he just had everything, like, planned out. And it was, like, literally, like, you do know where we're going. And, you know, I was a big girl. And I'm sure he thought I was, like, an athlete. I had cornrows and braids and shit. And I had, like, you know. So, I'm, like, and I had Jordans and shit. So, he probably was, like, oh, I know. This is an easy target right here. But he had it all wrong. And so, I just started crying because I was so angry. I was just, like, bawling, crying in the backseat. Just bawling, crying. And I realized, this motherfucker don't give a shit. He don't give a shit. Not a single shit. He didn't give not near. He didn't even give one of them little shits. Remember when, on on the commercial when she said a feces, <laughs> a yeah, singular, a single feces, a non plural, just a, a feces. He didn't even give like a poop shit. You know what I'm saying? He didn't give a half a piece of shit. And the whole ride there, he's talking shit. And I was like, man, I would whoop your ass. I could get with you. I could beat your skinny white ass. I could whoop your ass. I was so fucking mad. And he drops me off or whatever. Doesn't look me in my face. You know, he just drops me or whatever. They're asking me for ID. And I'm looking at this dumb fucker like, well, I would give you ID, but I'm not a truant. And so all my things are in the office at my school because it's my second period. And I was picking something up for the vice principal. So I just kept saying that shit over and over again. And then by the time we got there, I think he believed me. But he had already gone so far. Yeah, he wasn't going to go back. He wasn't going to go back. 
So he had basically driven me 20, 30 minutes just to get me out to this fucking truant camp thing. And I had to sit in there for a fucking whole day. My mom couldn't pick me up until six o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. They don't, they don't release you. They don't release you. And I was like, and that was one of the times where I learned about police officers, right? Because he didn't have to grab me. He didn't have to touch me, right? No, I mean, I wasn't going to get in this fucking car. I should have just ran because he wouldn't be able to catch me. That's what I should have fucking done. Should have ran back should've to school. Should have just ran to school. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I learned about that shit. I learned about what police really think about you. They really, really think about black kids. I really learned what they think about black kids. But then sitting in that fucking truant camp, that shit was a learning experience too. Because I thought to myself, this is so fucking stupid. You got me in this place. When I'm supposed to be at school and you're punishing me for not being at school by taking somewhere me somewhere and not letting me go to school. Right. How the fuck does this make sense? I was just sitting there looking like we're going to sit here all day in no worksheets, in no pencils in this bitch. We literally just sat, just fucking sat there. We literally just sat in a room, just had in a room, 20 fucking kids, just from all over the city, from all over the city, just fucking sat in a room. Just came in and out at various points of their 20, 30 kids, just kind of shuffled in and out. Somebody picked somebody up. Somebody called and, and got somebody else, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And we just kind of sat in the fucking room all day. And I think that was one of those experiences where you'd be like, wow, y'all really don't give a shit about black people, especially not black kids. Like, you really don't give a shit about black kids. And when he threw me in the back of that fucking that car with them fucking plastic ass you know, handcuffs or whatever. We're like, you you are always blah, 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 blah. I was like, whoa. You don't even give a fuck about my GPA. You don't care about my GPA. You don't care that I'm fucking class president. He didn't care about anything you had to say. He didn't care about shit I had to say. Because he knew it was a lie. It was a lie. And even if it was true, I was still black. Yep. And I still had cornrows. And I still had Jordans on. And I was still tall. And I still talk like this because the bitch is from Oakland. Like, he did not give a fuck. And that shit right there, dude, that shit right there, that shit got me. Like, that was when I was like, oh, fuck police, right? It was like, like, I had already had a mental thing where I was like, fuck police. But that shit, I was like, oh, fuck police. Because you see it. You see it and you feel it. And there's nothing, I'm telling you right now, ain't nothing like being thrown in the back of, of a cop car. Ain't nothing like being sitting back there behind that fucking screaming ass shit. The fucking like separator shit, and they talking shit, and you can't even fucking hit them in the fucking face. Yeah, I've been, I've been in the back of a cop car once. Where I don't know how I did that, but it was like one on of those purpose. Things, yeah, it was like when I was like, oh, you can see what it's like, and I oh, got who it. the fuck wants to do that? I did it, and I was just like, this is scary as hell. It is scary. It's so, it is so disconcerting. It's like hard and plastic. It's so, it's it's, it's uncomfortable, just... and to be back there and have my hands restrained like that. And they do it. They do it to traumatize you. Yeah. They do it to say you're a truant, and this is what's gonna happen to you if you keep it up. You know, like you're gonna end up going to jail. You're gonna be back in the cop car, scared straight type bullshit. And I was like, wow, this is not effective. You dumb piece of shit. I was so mad. I'm still mad. Like we talk about it right now, and I'm like heated. I'm just so. I, oh, I would take off on that nigga so hard if I saw him right now. I'm just. I still see his fucking face, you know? And he was a skinny-ass well, white dude. But the, this is this is what gets me about it, right? Because I think about that. So that was like late 90s, early 2000s. Right? Excuse you. That was... Okay, it was late 90s. 
Thank you. Mostly early 2000s. Early 2000s. Thank you very right. much. Yes. It was, yeah, we'll, we'll, I entered high in school aughts. in 99, so thank you very much. Okay. It was in the arts. Thank you. It was, thank you. But you think about that, and that mentality that yes. the officer had is the same mentality that all these officers have. Absolutely. Across the whole country. Absolutely. In different departments facing different people. Absolutely. We see that same mentality and we see how it plays out. Absolutely. And that's that's why when we talk about these cases, it we, we call them lynchings. And that's why they're also really personal because yes. we've had interactions with the Absolutely. police. Absolutely. And seen that mentality and right. seen that treatment right. and see where it leads. Right. And every time we see it happen again, it's like, right. well, right. We, I get it. I know. Right. And in I the know. case of me and you, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I had my USC ID that day. And right. in the case of the truancy officer, I'm glad that he wasn't mad enough to do something further. Or well, it's like a luck thing. Like, oh, well, we yeah. we made it out this time. Right. Because because maybe the USC you know, ID got you out this time, but it won't get you out the next time. time. Exactly. And that's what kind of what happened with me in the high school situation. I mean, he didn't give a shit that I was class yeah. president. And also, I think one thing that also gets me is like I have a heart condition. And these police officers, I mean, I keep thinking about to the, the officer who slammed that little girl on the ground yeah. at the pool and then sat on her. Yeah, I was... He sat on her. And I was watching that and I just started crying because I'm like, okay. That is a new level for me to see a police officer sit his sit. body on a child. And if that were me, I'd be fucking dead I mean, because I have a heart condition. I mean, Eric Garner. Right. Right. That's, but, I mean, that's exactly but what the that was. But the difference to me, though, also is at least our Eric Garner is a big right. grown man. This was a little girl, a little teenage yeah. girl in her basically underwear. Basically. You know what I'm saying? A little girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just cannot. I cannot. And so, if nothing else, I hope that when we're thinking about police, we understand, like, this shit is never going to be deracialized. Like, the police is never going to be a non-racial situation. Right. Like, police don't know how to do that. They're not trained to do that, and they're not made to do that. Police are a part of a larger system, a larger set of institutions that are set up to maintain a status quo. We have to always be aware of that. And the status quo is not one that says, well, black people should have liberation. Because if we had that, we wouldn't have fucking police. Nope. We wouldn't have, they wouldn't have jobs doing that. <laughs> They'd be doing something else. So, I mean, I'm just like, I can't, I just cannot with this idea that we need to call the police to make the world fairer and more just and safer. It's never worked. Why are we still trying to do the same shit? It's never fucking worked. It's never worked. I mean, please give me evidence. Like, show me some receipts of a time when that worked. No. I don't think so. They don't exist. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBLKCouple, on Facebook at ThatBlackCouple, and look us up on the internets at www.ThatBlackCouple.com. Bye!